You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. from a hidden rebel fortress long forgotten since the days of the Clone Wars. Commanders Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their daring crew lead a rebel cell dedicated to bringing you stories of adventure and excitement from across the galaxy. Join them for tales of heroes from the dawn of the Resistance stretching back to the Old Republic. Tales of Jedi and Sith, rebels and Imperials, technological terrors and fantastic creatures. Legends so great, you won't believe them. But it's true. All of it. So what are you waiting for? Strap in and get ready to make the jump with Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast. Welcome back to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast for our Forces of Destiny recap. I'm your host, Cassie Sketch, and today we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 13 of Forces of Destiny, titled Accidental Allies. This episode has an awesome crossover, or I guess two characters meeting, that it totally makes sense that they would meet, because we have Sabine and Jen, uh, and a tiny bit of hair in this episode, only voices, but this crossover here ties in perfectly to some of the news that we have this week, or at least some of my uh, personal hopes that have to do with the news that came out this week, which we will go ahead and start with, which is that we have had announced that there is going to be a second live action show uh, featuring and about Cassian Andor, and Diego Luna is uh, returning to play the role of Cassian Andor. Um, and like much of the news uh, that I hear sometimes being announced for Star Wars, uh, I will hear it and I'll be like, uh, okay, cool. Um, and that's how I felt a little bit when I first heard this. Uh, I was a little confused. I thought that they would probably wait until after the Mandalorian premieres uh, just to see how that's received before they decided to hop on with another uh, live action show but I already had a lot of confidence and I was already very excited about the Mandalorian but the fact that they're gonna go ahead and get into uh, another live action show just kind of lets me know that they also have confidence in what they're doing, which makes me not only excited for, you know, this Cassian show, whatever we will call it, whatever it's going to be called, but it also makes me way more excited for The Mandalorian, which we have a tiny bit of news with as well, but we will get back to that in a second. So the first thing I thought of about this is, uh, I, I don't know, like, I'm a little, I was just a little confused with 
them announcing this so early, especially because they are not planning on starting to film until next year. Uh, and I know that with Star Wars, a lot of things are announced or are slated to happen and then they never really come to fruition. So I thought that they would, uh, they being Disney and Lucasfilm, would kind of think a little bit ahead here and learn from their mistakes and maybe not announce this so soon, but I'm kind of excited. I really like that they're delving into this live action and especially because they can do kind of a higher budget show with these and so not only now are we getting to talk about the Mandalorian but we get to talk about uh, whatever the Cassian show is the uh, Andor show whatever it's going to be called um, and so that was kind of my first thoughts with this and then I started to think about kind of the time period with this area and then I started thinking well what is this mean as far as what this is going to be about and who's going to show up in this and then I got kind of excited at the thought of well we had some we had some cameos ish in Rogue One with our ghost crew and kind of thinking about what that might mean for this show and also what that might mean for our Rebels characters and along with that while kind of on that train of thought I was thinking well shoot you know, Cassian's whole backstory or his involvement is that he is a fulcrum agent. And so what could that mean as far as our favorite character coming out of animation, which is Ahsoka? And I was sitting there thinking, oh shoot, this could finally be what we've wait been waiting for, this, you know, moment where we get Ahsoka in live action. And usually, you know, thinking about things like this would definitely be kind of like thinking too far ahead and hoping for too much, but really thinking about this time period and what this means and who Cassian is and who he works with, I'm so excited for like who could show up in this show and what this could mean. And that's, that's just, it's so cool. It's another thing where we're weaving our web together and everything's coming full circle and the show obviously just got announced and I know that and it's too early to be theorizing anything. They haven't even like written it, but the thought and just the processing of what this could mean for some of our animation characters getting into, you know, a live action show is just, I, I don't even have words. And I love these characters so much and I think that this is like a great thing for them and this is something that I think all animation fans, all Star Wars fans, but definitely us animation fans can get so excited about. I hope that they take this and they take it in the direction I want to take it in. And I think that the possibility of them doing that is very likely. And that is so exciting. And I'm so happy about it. And I didn't, I didn't particularly like Rogue One. I will say that. I wasn't a huge fan of it. And so, again, that kind of played into my kind of uh, my apathy for the announcement when it first happened. But again, after thinking about it a little bit more, you just you start to think about what that could mean. And I'm sure everybody else has done the same. And this is just great news for those of us who are here paying attention to everything and, and taking in all of the Star Wars content. Uh, which 
you're listening to this, I'm guessing you are. So we don't have a whole ton to talk about that. I'm excited that Diego Luna is coming back. Uh, that has been a thing that I've seen in the past where uh, an actor does not reprise their role for uh, a TV show or whatever. And so him reprising his role of Cassian is good news. Um, and I think it'll it's gonna take it to another caliber uh, as far as storytelling. And again, we can't really get into it this early, but it, it's so I'm so happy uh, now that I've really gotten the chance to process and think about it. It just the possibilities of what could be going on in this show are endless, and I can't I can't wait. Again, with our live action news. Uh, which we have a lot of. And I said this last week, didn't I? I said, we're having a lull in news. I bet they're about to announce something big. And a couple days after I said that, what do we get? You know, the announcement of the Cassian show, we're gonna call it right now. And that Pedro Pascal has been cast as the lead of The Mandalorian. Um, I do not know a whole ton about him. I know that he was in Narcos and Game of Thrones and some other things, um, but I uh, haven't seen Game of Thrones. Uh, it started and I was too young to watch it and then uh, I feel like it's a lot to catch up on now, so I haven't seen it. I know I need to, nobody yell at me, but I did, I went and asked my dad. I was like, so dad, they just casted this dude as the lead in this Star Wars show what can you tell me about him? I know you've, him and my mom watched Game of Thrones. And so he was telling me about uh, his character Oberyn, Oberyn Martell. And he showed me, you know, his final fight scene where, uh, no spoilers, but yeah. And he was saying, you know, he was an acrobatic sword fighter. And right away, like, I was like, okay, <laughs> clicks in my head. This is awesome. That's perfect. For this and then looking at pictures of him I was like okay well he fits the profile of what we've seen uh, of Mandalorians as far as their uh, ethnicity and so that's really exciting <laughs> you know kind of that we are getting this whole idea of just how we kind of have a race here on earth you know there are different 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 types of people throughout the galaxy even if they are human and I, whatever don't need to get in that but that's also just it's more representation throughout uh, Star Wars, which is so great, you know. Not only have we had uh, Cassian uh, being Hispanic, but now we have our Mandalorian who is also Hispanic, and that comes uh, a little coincidence that they both have uh, their uh, live action shows, but that's pretty cool. So, like, representation, great, fantastic, we love that. But also, just thinking about, you know, his skills that he. Uh, has acquired through Game of Thrones and you know you can debate whether or not he actually did those fight scenes but I think every, anybody knows that even if you aren't performing your own stunts and you aren't doing your own fight scenes you still have to know how to do a little bit in order to make it look like you're doing it uh, so he has a ton of practice with this you know that type of melee fighting and that jumping around and that kind of stuff and obviously playing a bounty hunter I'm guessing he's gonna need that experience and then I was you know once I was looking into him a little bit I was also thinking back to the picture we got released of the cattle prod type 
melee blaster weapon, whatever it is. And then I it, it kind of made sense to me because that's can definitely be used as a melee weapon, whatever it is. I don't know. I it it's probably we are people already know what it is, probably, but I don't. Um so looking at that and thinking, well, okay, he has this experience of the melee fighting and then this weapon can be used that way and then it all just kind of made sense so just it makes sense and it made me so happy it was like obviously I I I say it I didn't really know who he is but I'm look I've been looking into him now and looking into what he has done in the past and it's just a perfect fit and he's very uh knowledgeable of doing this type of thing you know the mandalorian is kind of set to be the game of thrones of star wars so it really does just perfectly fit together and his character in game of thrones fits together with hopefully who this mandalorian character is going to be and so it's just a fit together it was a nice little puzzle piece it, it was so great i'm so news this week just made me so happy it's so exciting like we got so much, really. And, you know, there's only two big stories, and I won't get into anything smaller. Um, obviously, uh, we can talk a little bit. It's not Star Wars related, but Stan Lee did pass away, um, as everybody knows. And that was one of those celebrity deaths that I didn't think would hit me as hard as it did. Because I'm, I'm a very casual Marvel fan. And so I didn't think... When I heard, it took me by surprise kind of how upset I was about it. And... Uh, where it kind of hit me in the gut. You know, he's done so much for not only Marvel, but just nerd and fandom culture. And it was it was really sad to see that this had happened. And we I talked a couple weeks ago about, you know, how we do have to be prepared for people uh, in these industries uh, passing away. And thoughts are obviously out to his family. We're going to miss your cameos. <laughs> it's sad um I don't want to get too too much into you know it's not Star Wars news but it is you know geek nerd news and um I did want to just say a little mention it felt I would feel wrong if I didn't mention Stanley's death um it is so rare though and I've seen memes about it kind of online uh it is rare uh nowadays that we have a celebrity death that doesn't have to do with drugs or alcohol or them doing something bad. It's very rare that we see somebody die peacefully and that is something that kind of warmed my heart a little bit. Uh, you know, obviously not the fact that he died, but the fact that he passed away peacefully at an old age after living a great life. And yeah, just, it's sad, but I think it's important that we remember that um, because I think everybody... I don't think anybody had a negative view about Stanley, and so I know I sure don't. That's all I want to say. Rest in peace, Stan. Let's get on to the episode. Calculate the jump, Chop. How is my boyfriend doing? Maybe I can help you. I am Boba Fett. What was that? What was what? The throwing and the falling. Over there! Don't think about it. Kenobi. Ahsoka! Kenobi! 
So you mean to tell me you were staging a rescue, not attempting to hijack a Jedi starship? You're welcome! Now, it's time for the Rebel Cells. Episode Recap. Spectre member Sabine Wren is fleeing from stormtroopers by le leaping from roof to roof in Garel City. Sabine contacts Harrison Dula by comlink to tell her that she has gotten the package and will meet her at the drop-off. While leaping from a building, Sabine drops the package, which turns out to be a hollow map. The package is picked up by Jen Arso, who recognizes that it is something important. Jen is spotted by a stormtrooper, who thinks that she is the thief who stole the map. Jen flees while Sabine realizes that she has lost the map. Imperial loudspeakers announce that the suspect is female with brown hair and armed and dangerous. Jen encounters two more stormtroopers, but quickly knocks them to the ground. Two more approach her and chase her. From the roof of the building, Sabine sees Jen running with the map. Jen reaches a dead end. The only thing lying between her and the stormtroopers is a large cargo container held up by a crane. With the stormtroopers closing in on Jen, Sabine shoots at the chain suspending the cargo container, causing it to crash to the ground. This separates the stormtroopers from Jen. After the stormtroopers retreat, Sabine jumps down from the roof and tells Jen that she is something that belongs to her. When Jen asks Sabine if she is working for someone else, Sabine says that she has no time to explain, but that people are counting on her. Jen replies that she has made that mistake before. Sabine realizes that Jen is working alone. When Sabine reiterates her demand for the map, Jen asks her to give a reason why. Sabine tells Jen that she used to work alone, but that she has gotten over thinking about herself. Sabine adds that the information on the device is going to help people. Sabine pleads with Jen, who agrees to hand over the map after some reflection. Sabine thanks her and Jen wishes her good luck before fleeing over the wall. Sabine contacts Phoenix Cell to tell them that she's gotten their intel before leaving the scene. So I had mentioned earlier how our news this week kind of ties in a tiny bit to our episode this week just because of my own personal uh hopes and dreams for uh, the Cassian show, the Andor show, again, whatever we're going to call it. And so I was, you know, earlier, you know, 10 minutes ago, I was saying that uh, it would be really awesome and I think it's going to happen that we are going to get to see some Rebels characters in uh, the Cassian show. And so, obviously, that plays into this week's episode, uh, which is Accidental Allies, because Jen and Sabine meet up, which is unexpected, but it makes sense. It is not really helping with the idea that the galaxy is kind of small, and people kind of complain about that a little bit, uh, because we do have a lot of people meeting up with each other again and again. But it does kind of reiterate at this point that the rebellion is small and still growing, uh, just because these two, sorry, my dogs. Um, but it does kind of reiterate this idea that the rebellion is still kind of small because we do, you know, have these few characters that link up and there aren't that many rebellion members. And so the fact that they are bumping into each other and that we don't see them really bumping into anybody else means a lot. And even though I know that this is partially just because we don't have important characters that are in the Rebellion yet, uh, that we, you know, can fit in this format, it's still kind of a little bit of a, oh, it's a small world, we both worked for the Rebellion, obviously this is the point where Jen 
is not working for the rebellion anymore but it does add a little bit of context to one of the previous episodes you know the one i said that was my least favorite where uh i was a little confused about the timeline uh didn't really know what was going on and how what point of jen's life this is at and obviously it is during season two of Rebels, because they are on Garel. Uh, like I said before, most of the episodes, uh, at least in season one, uh, with our Rebels characters, are taking place on Garel during season two. So that gives a little bit of context to, you know, the previous episode with Jen, where uh, we didn't really know what point it was, is that it's two or three-ish years before the Battle of Yavin, uh, which makes sense with where she is at. You know, it's after Saw. And so that kind of, you know, reaffirms where in the timeline we're at and whether or not this is before or after Jin helps the little girl. I don't know. I imagine it is afterwards uh, just because of the way that these episodes were put out. Uh, and I could be wrong, but it's just good context here and you know they did do this in a way so that it could kind of meet up just a little bit and it totally makes sense that these characters would meet up in at some point in some capacity uh whether it be on Yavin or beforehand and so them both being on Garel previously in Force of Destiny just kind of gives us uh it was bound to happen and anybody who kind of didn't see that coming I mean, I'm with you. I didn't see it coming because I wasn't really thinking about it, but I mean, hindsight's 2020. I don't know. It was exciting to see the two of them together, uh, and it kind of had me thinking a little bit about the similarities between their two characters. You know, they were both, both of their lives were torn apart by the Empire, whether it be, you know, Sabine, she was taken to the academy she was kind of outcast by her family and she was on her own but then you know somehow some way she got caught up with the rebellion and that became the purpose of her life and it it that's kind of a similar track with what happened to Jen you know it, it's very different but she was thrust away from her family when you know her mother was killed and her father was taken uh, but she was taken in by Saw but then was outcasted by them. And then she was on her own for a little while until in Rogue One, she gets picked back up by the Rebellion. And they both have different points where they are, they were very much out for themselves. They were very much just thinking, you know, when where's my next meal? And how can I get ahead of everybody else in order to preserve my own self? And I think that's an important part of this episode here is because Sabine is past that. You know, she's found her new family, she's found her new purpose, she's with the Rebellion now, and Jen hasn't yet gotten to that stage of the journey that they both kind of go on. And I think it's a moment where Sabine is really open with her, and it also helps with Rogue One and kind of Jen's own processing of how she is going to change herself, which... I was not somebody who liked Rogue One um, because I didn't feel like her character really developed organically and I felt like you know even though her father was killed and that's kind of what inspired the change in her I felt like it wasn't it was too much of, of a 180 uh, and so you know adding this episode in here as context of you know Sabine giving her this you know I was like you once and now I'm not 
and I care about other people. And we have the previous episode where Jen helps a little girl. We know that Jen has empathy for other people and Sabine's saying, you know, you have a chance to help people right now. And I think that this moment here of Sabine relating to Jen in this way kind of adds to her processing during Rogue One of, you know, how she's going to make this change and and that she needs to be a part of the rebellion and help people um, because it is what is good for everybody else, um, not only just herself, because you can't just think about yourself all the time. And I think that's the lesson of this episode here is that, you know, sometimes it pays off to be a little selfish, but it's also good to think of other people. And even if something isn't convenient for you, or maybe if you don't see a reason for your own gain to do something, it you could easily help somebody else. And that that is something that both of these characters have learned. And that is a great lesson that is getting taught. Um, and it's one of those that it wasn't just laid flat out like with the last episode where, you know, we needed to improvise. You know, it was kind of this progression not quite progression, but we got a convincing, you know, Sabine kind of had to persuade her and use her own experiences to empathize with what Jen was going through and and to persuade her to do the right thing. It was just interesting to see how the two of those characters related and I never thought about it before this episode and then, you know, going in and thinking about it, I was like, well, those characters are super similar. You know, their story isn't exactly the same, but it kind of plays out the same way um, in a sense. And I think that also just has to do with a lot of the rebels and a lot of the people within the rebellion, you know, they're orphans, they lost their family, the empire did something to them, they've been outcast. They're at some odds and they know within themselves that they can't be selfish anymore and they need to do something to help other people. Um, And I think that not only was this episode teaching that lesson, but it was kind of telling us that little, or not telling us, because I think we all kind of already knew that, but for me, that kind of made the light bulb turn on in my head that, oh, well, that's kind of what everybody in the resistance has uh, in common, is their willingness to help others despite themselves, and that they are had to overcome adversity and that may be why that they have turned to the rebellion because the empire has done something wrong to them and so this episode was one that just really made you think a little bit and I I really appreciated that I really it just is part of that character development we get throughout uh forces of destiny and kind of the explanation of things that are happening you know on a smaller scale and I mean that's I I'm really bad at transitions. That's really, you know, I could go on and on just saying the same thing over and over again, but I really appreciate this here. And Jen stays truer to her character in this episode than she did in a previous episode, which I I liked to see because she didn't right away go to being like, yes, I'll help you. Uh, it did take a little bit of persuasion. I've used that word like four times now, but it took a little bit of coercing to get her to see reason and decide to help people and I I think that that fit her character a lot better than her previous episode where she just helped somebody completely out of the blue especially when you know in this episode it would have cost it it costed her nothing 
to help Sabine and hand over the data. But in, you know, the previous episode with Jen, uh, it costed her a lot to defend the little girl. In the previous episode, and she did that drop of the hat, didn't have to be persuaded in any way, shape, or form, which was out of her character. But in this episode, you know, she doesn't lose anything by giving Sabine this tape. She gets to get away. Nobody's after her anymore. She's helping people. It's a win-win. Um, but she's still not going to do it because she's selfish and not willing to help somebody. And so I, I really liked... I like that they stayed with her character here a little bit more than they have with her in previous episodes. And I think, I hope that that was purposeful. I hope that they, they kind of saw the error their ways, but I know that, you know, making these and putting them out, you know, that's done in a weird schedule. And uh, it may not have been thought, thought out as well as that, but I think that, um, I think that that was good to see. And it would totally... It would totally make sense to me now that I'm talking about it and thinking about it a little bit more that this episode happened before the previous episode with Jen. Uh, and that would that would make up for the out-of-characterness of the other episode because after, and during this one, she is being... You know, she's being told that she should help people. And so if that's still fresh in her mind, that totally makes sense why she helped the little girl. And so I'm hoping that chronologically this one comes before the other one. It would just make a lot more sense. And it would definitely, I think, make me uh, appreciate that other episode a little bit more than I already do. So as I said, always great to see. I loved this. Um, I, I love this episode. Again, I've said it if I've said it once, I've said it a million times. I love Sabine so much. So getting to see her anywhere is great. We obviously heard a little bit of Vanessa Marshall's Hera, which, oh, so great. Like I said, angelic. I love Hera. Oh, I just love Rebels. Sorry. I don't know. I just, I like this episode and I like the not only the story it's telling, but the little bits it's adding into Jen's character and the little bits it's adding into, you know, what makes up the rebellion and how those people, you know, perceive the world and how they wish to change and how Sabine has changed as a person. And even though she is younger than Jen at this point, I believe, you know, she's because she's become a better person and she's been helping the rebellion, you know, she is much more mature and it's, you know, adding in a little bit of a tiny spider web because, you know, you're adding that to the previous episode with Jen and the Forces of Destiny episodes are connecting to each other. Uh, hopefully, again, this one comes before the other one. That would make a whole lot more sense to me. Uh, but if it doesn't, the other episode's still kind of instilling a little bit of caring for others and empathy in Jen's mind, which makes sense with this episode. So I'm glad that both of these episodes were put out. I think that had the first episode come out and this one had not, uh, I would still have a little bit more of a bad taste in my mouth from the first Jen episode. But because of this one, I feel better about it. And I think talking through it here on the podcast uh, was kind of cathartic for me. <laughs> it helped me get over that episode uh, a little bit. And even if, you know, they aren't chronologically how in my head they should be, that's still my head canon. And now I like that episode a whole lot better because we'll just pretend like these are two episodes in one. And honestly, 
that's all I really have to talk about with this episode. I liked it a lot. I like any episode with Sabine a lot. And yeah, that's all we really have to talk about. So thanks for listening. And as always, you can stay up to date on all the latest in Star Wars animation news by heading to rebelcells.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rebelspodcast and on Twitter at rebelspodcast. You can also follow me on Twitter at Cassie Sketch. That's C-A-S-S-I-E-S-C-U-T-C-H. And of course, we're part of the Thunderquack Network. Head to thunderquack.com to check out all the other podcasts in the network. And if you'd like to support us, you can do that in one of two ways first by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch or by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack and pledging your support. Your monthly pledge gives you access to cool exclusives like the Thunderquack podcast and the Thunderquack group on Facebook. Thank you guys so much for listening and we will be back next week with an Imperial Feast. Mm-hmm.